Hey, welcome back. It's Todd. It's Jimmy. And this is Every Playlist Tells a Story. And we're here to talk some more smack and talk about some new songs. Happy December. Happy December. Uh, you know, I always want to say coldest month of the year, but really January, February is like cold in December. It really around this around southern Indiana neighborhood, November yeah. to February. It's one long Wild month. card. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah dark. And, but yeah, you're right. January, February is absolute. Yeah. That's where they really you test your mental capacity in those two months. Get those those chilling winds blowing through. Every day is Every cloudy, day. Yeah. cold. Yep. Before we get started, just a quick reminder: songs are on the Spotify playlist. Check them up. Check them out. Look them up. Check them out. The uh, do check the, them in. Check them in. Do all the socials: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram stuff. Email us at every playlist tells a story at gmail.com. And of course, if you're listening to it on the platform, like, subscribe, comment, do all that fun stuff helps us out. And uh, I'm going to dive right into my TikTok finds of the week, man. I got uh, the musicman.uk one man jam deal going on. Awesome kind stuff. Of, it, it's all, I love stuff like that. R- distorted acoustic guitar, kicking, like you said, uh, Rick Allen drums with his feet. Yeah, he's just using his drums, or I'm sorry, using his feet. Yeah. To play the drums yeah. while he's playing acoustic guitar with electrical pickups to yeah. go and zoo the amp. Yep. Yeah, it's fantastic. And singing. And singing. I mean, it's just, and he's got a crowd. So I'm a fan. Go check him out. Uh, the other one I run across, again, we're a little removed from Halloween, but it's, you know, I can never get enough of Michael Myers, but I've stumbled across a Michael Myers of Decatur. And yeah, right. uh, it's like evidently a guy, Evan, who dresses up as Michael Myers and goes around and shoots little tiktok videos it's it's pretty entertaining stuff you showed me one that i could not believe you showed me right because you have no idea that i know one of the policemen shut your face yeah i looked at it and i was like that's that's luke that's luke this this had to been shot in fort wayne indiana right that the cop in that video or that i guess it's a video yeah it's um it is my wife's cousin first cousin's husband okay he um she was working for the indianapolis indians the triple a team yeah baseball team i think that's how they met they were working and you know fell in love got married moved uh to fort wayne he took a police job there and voila voila he's, you're watching him on i'm TikTok. watching him on tiktok yeah. that's insane yeah i yeah. could not believe you brought that up yeah not, that's he what, didn't yeah. even know who you was yeah well, you know, get the word, man. I'm a fan. I, 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 I love it. I, I, I love that that Michael Myers of Decatur. It's just him driving. driving I, will his... try, I will get the backstory on that yeah, one. Yeah, fine. That's good stuff, man. I like that. The other thing I'm going to jump into, it's been a couple of weeks, 2020 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Did you watch any of that? you pay attention to that I, stuff? Honestly, I thought I heard. It seems like I heard who was coming in, but now it escapes me. Okay. So I've got a list. I DV, of course, DVR'd it and sat and watched it, and you know, uh, I know Judas Priest did not get in. Judas again. Priest did not get in again. And speaking of that, a couple weeks ago, uh, was it People, Sexiest Man Alive? You and I both overlooked again, man. I gave up. You, really? See, I still hold out hope. I'm going to get the call. I, you know, once I got married, I just figured that was probably you can still be married and be Sexiest Man Alive. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, I'll, anyway, I'll give it a get, shot. It's it's getting frustrating the overlooking 
that we're getting year after year on this. But you know, you know, now that you hit your fifties, I'm hitting my, I'm hitting my stride, baby. You're hitting your stride. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, I, I'll try to keep is, it going. Fifty years of experience all coming together right now. Okay. Yeah. Right. So you got to look at it. And they have to call you daddy now. I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't. Uh, you're not a uh, teen heartthrob anymore. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Anyway, back to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, this year's inductees at uh, Miss Whitney Houston, which I get. I mean, iconic. But well, they're trying to cover. I have a lot of issues with the Rock and Roll of Fame. Yeah, no, I uh, yeah, I get. Trying to cover all genres of music. Yeah, now. no. It was an interesting little show, though. I mean, I'm not going to talk about the the Whitney stuff. I've got a couple notes on some of the things. Mark Bolin and T Rex. Oh, T Rex got yep, in. They got in, and uh, that was kind of cool to watch. You know, the the I guess the founder of the glam rock. Yeah, kind of Electric movement. Warriors, man. Yeah, I love that album. Yeah. Yep, glam rock superstar, uh, the notorious B.I.G. You ever listen to him? When he was, I mean, there was no I mean, escaping him, you know. Yeah, I mean, especially lot, when he died. I a mean, lot of the stuff I remembered hearing. I was, I never bought a record, never listened to the record, or whatever. But it's, I mean, just watching the little segment on it and hearing some of the songs. It was, I mean, it's an interesting story. I mean, you know, coming from a rough part of town, had rough. For that, for that genre of music, he yeah, he was solid stuff. Yeah, so I may go back and dig some of that up. Uh, Doobie Brothers. Well, I mean, yeah, Doobie, Doobie Brothers, Brothers are in. That's cool. Couple of quotes I wrote down. Uh, Jed Apatow, who's I guess like a, a movie director or whatever. Yeah, was, never heard of him. Was yeah, he done, no. I want to think he did like the the Forty Year Old Virgin, and I think he does some of those comedy oh, movie. Guys. Gotcha. Yeah, it came out in the early two thousands. Yep. He was talking about the Doobie Brothers, and his quote was, "Every song on the greatest hits record is the greatest song you've ever heard." You can't deny it. No, great, great songwriters, and then. Uh, Ann Wilson of Heart fame was yeah. talking about that uh, Blackwater song yeah. and uh, said it's that song is what America feels like. Which Can't, pretty again, pretty yeah, spot on. Is pretty pretty spot on. Uh, Depeche Mode got in this year. Love Depeche Mode. Yes, I know that. Yeah, not rock and roll, but if you're gonna let you know B.I.G. in and Whitney, you got to go right. put some electronic rock in there. Yep. Uh, that to me, that was probably the most fascinating kind of when it was talking about their history and how they became to be and all that. That's the one that I think struck me most because I've always appreciated Depeche Mode. I've never been super fan of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I know the songs and and whatnot, but I mean, just watching that, their fans are emotionally invested in that band. Just oh. watching the crowd shots of live shows, it is amazing. Oh, even before. The 1990 Violator album. I mean, they were already big time. Oh yeah, and it was cool. Um, the Martin Gore was talking about music was more about the ideas than technically being good musicians. Um, when they were kind of describing their sounds, uh, there was one part where he was like dropping a rock on a metal rail and recording it and saying, "All right, we're going to take that and make that part of the song." Gotcha. And it was it was interesting because I guess they started out really being strict synthesizer kind of no instruments just kind of creating these soundscapes for the music and i guess as they evolved you know guitars became part of it drums became part of it but they were really hardcore and i never knew that about them because they were really stage presence kind of tough when it's just nothing but keyboard yeah 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 some of the early footage where it's just you know the dave the singer and then you know 
like uh, three guys with keyboards and stuff. It was a little weird, but yeah, it's really up to Dave to carry the live show. Yeah, because the other guys are kind of stuck. Yep. behind the keys. Yeah, exactly. Um, one thing I found really interesting is you know they obviously are doing this intro and talking about their history, and then they will kind of flash to different artists and different people talking about you know what. Depeche Mode meant to them or, or whatever. Billy Gibb and ZZ Top talked a lot about Depeche Mode and being innovators. There was a lot of Billy Gibbons really? talking about Depeche Mode. Yeah. And that Billy, Billy Gibbons yeah. voice. Yeah, that Billy voice, yeah. So wow. I thought it was kind of weird when I first watched it, because I watched it a couple of times just to kind of watch it through and then go back and take some notes and stuff. And, man, that first time I was like, wow, fucking Billy Gibbons, ZZ Top, talking about Depeche Mode. I never would have paired them together. Well, you think of that afterburner. Yeah. You know, sleeping yeah. bag. I mean, that's a lot of electronic uh, yeah. oh, going yeah. on. Oh, yeah. And song. then I've, I've heard some stuff and, and watched some things on ZZ Top. There's a great Netflix documentary about them. But it's like they got into that after the Eliminator thing. They really got into the technology. And I think even before then, really got into technology and stuff. And was really trying to, you know, what's new and what can we do with it. So, And you hear it in the songs, you hear it in the albums. But... And it's funny you bring it up because I know you wanted to cut it off before Afterburner, what ZZ Top was. Yeah. And here you are talking about it. Well, it's and, I, and I'll say this, it's interesting because, yeah, I'll cut it off. Eliminator, I, I don't. You've, yeah, you expressed I've, your I've, opinion. I've, I've expressed it. my opinion. But they have put out some, some records lately. I think it's that whole, can you forgive? for the sins of the past thing. I think yeah. they've done some recent records that are kind of going back to the not, roots of the band. Yeah. Roots of the band and stuff like that. So, you know, I found some recent stuff of them that I like, but yeah, sleeping bag. I'll never, Velcro fly. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Not getting on board. And then nine inch nails was the other one, which oh, I was a wow. huge fan of. I, uh, freaking love nine inch nails one of the best live shows i've yeah. ever seen yeah and, and it was was not expecting it yeah no it's they're a, a they're one of those bands that i immediately i latched onto and there was even a comment i don't remember who said it but they were talking about when nine inch nails came out it just like it gave a bunch of suburban kids somebody to latch onto and tell them they're not alone and they're whatever they're going through they're whatever. Angst. I mean, it was, yeah they're angst and miley cyrus was on there talking and her quote was the music or this music erases, erases loneliness, which, I mean, a lot of the stuff's dark, man. Was Pretty Hate Machine their first album? Pretty Hate Machine was the first record, yeah. And you, you, you brought up, like, first songs of first albums. Yeah. That's another good Head one. Like a Hole's a great, Head like a great opener, man. Yeah. And there were some cool quotes in there. I'll talk about Nine Inch Nails, but the one thing is, like, somebody said, that song's got two choruses. And you don't even realize you it. You don't even it's realize it. It's the whole it. bow down part and then the Head Like a Hole part. It's literally two choruses. It's a freaking great song and then the story i guess and i haven't looked anything up on it but you know I, as i've always known it is you know he was just kind of working in the record studio and kind of piecemealing his time together to make that record and doing it the way i mean he's another you know kind of one man band kind of thing where yeah he, definitely. It's, it's all it's all very trend, great but, of mine that's for sure but talking about the live shows there was stuff it was showing like the that woodstock 94 94 yeah and just the covered in mud and just going through microphones oh my god one, one microphone after another because he kept stomping his forehead just it. ridiculous yeah but yeah great great live band i saw them actually they did in austin city limits okay which you know what year oh man it's been four or five years ago i remember oh not too See? long ago yeah no okay. it's not too terribly long ago pretty recent 
but just just even them in a in a environment that was a little more restricted and not wide open to jump. I mean, they're just a fantastic band. I yeah, mean, there's no straight yeah, stage yeah. props at the no. Austin Z Limits. Uh-uh. No, it's it's that. And then uh, a couple other things they did a little tribute to Eddie Van Halen slash Kirk Hammett from Metallica, Tom Morello, uh, Rage Against the Machine, Audio Slave. He called uh, Eddie Van Halen the Mozart of our generation. I agree. That's you know, you know it, innovation. You talk about innovation. Oh, yeah. Nobody's nobody's done anything like that since him. And then uh, Irving Azoff, little piece on him. He got some lifetime award. You know, obviously known for the Eagle being the Eagles manager, the the famous, manager of all the big acts. Yeah, the famous quote from Don Henley: "He may be Satan, but he's our Satan." <clears throat> it has no problem being the bad guy. Settling the show does not. And uh, John Landau, which. When I heard the name, for some reason I was thinking John Landau with movies, but he evidently started out as a music critic and became a producer. Uh, Springsteen was his guy. James okay. Taylor did a lot of stuff with them. So, not the not the movie producer, not no. the guy I did. No, Wild yeah, the, John Landau was a, a producer for Bruce Springsteen, producer for James Taylor. Started out as a music critic at Rolling Stone somewhere before that. Okay, and kind of got into it, but. Interesting stuff. I love, you know, whether I know you or not or whatever, it's all interesting stuff. I even watched the Whitney Houston stuff. But there was just nothing really jumped out at me about. What was that on? Where did you see that? Uh, it was on HBO. HBO. Yeah, HBO okay. shows it every year. Yeah, usually it's on. Yeah, and that's why I never and see then, it. And then, yeah, I'm sure it'll show up somewhere else. On. Gotcha. But, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll some of them induct. There's some memorable moments with the Rock and Roll of Fame. Well, yeah. Last episode, we mentioned CCR. and Right. How he refused to play with the yep. I mean Blondie. You remember the Blondie one? I don't remember the Blondie one. Well, the the former members uh-huh. sued the current members because oh, of wow. song rights and all that. They crashed the party. Nice. And got on the mic and begged to get on stage right. with him and play. And uh, you know, Debbie Harry was kind of playing like the good cop and the guitar player that's been with her forever. And Blondie's was playing the bad cop, saying nice. no in front of everybody. It was that's kind right. of yeah. Awkward. My feeling is, yeah, whatever demons you got, whatever history you got, whatever, stuff like that, put it aside. It's do it for the fans. I mean, the fans are the ones that want to see it and dig it. My two cents. Yeah, but. I mean, you can hate people. There are a lot of bands that well, like Kiss. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, you can have a lot of animosity, but God, you can't put Even that, Van Halen. You can't put that stuff aside for 15 minutes. But that's what made them great. I guess they're, they're a train wreck waiting to happen, you know. Yeah, I guess. So, you got anything? Uh, just going strong on my Saints. Okay. Did I tell you that every week, every Sunday that I go to church, they win? Oh, really? Like I went when I was down in New Orleans on um, week one. Right. Went to the uh, St. Louis Cathedral. You know, I pray for every starter. I pray for the punter. I pray for the kicker. Right. Pray for the offensive line, defensive line, secondary, every individual starter. I even pray for the coaches for the play. I got. I learned to start praying for the coaches and their play calling. Calling. Okay. And they've gotten better and better. I missed. uh, I didn't go to church week two or week three of the NFL season, and they lost both those games. But every Sunday that I go to church and pray for them. Right. I, I mean, just go to church. I've always prayed for them when I go to church. They win, and it's been a great season. They're the best team in the NFC right now. So, so basically, the Saints are riding on whether or not you get up on Sunday morning. In my in my world, <laughs> I have to get to church at nine o'clock. And then is is there 
you know, when you say you pray for this, the, you run down the list of things, is it like kind of a rosary type running down the list of things or, you know, do they all, all the parts get equal time? Well, <clears throat> I go up for in Catholic, uh, mass, you go up and get, you know, you eat the bread, right. you drink the wine. Of course the wine's not being served right now because of COVID, mm-hmm. but, but then you go back to your pew to bring your own. No, they serve it. Okay. It's, you know, individually, okay. you know, you gotta wear your mask and then put the, no, I mean with wh- COVID, can you bring your own? Uh, sure. I mean, be, I mean, you might get some head get, turns. Get some but, looks, right? You know, yeah, you, I'd probably quote Dracula, say the blood is the life, you know. Right. Like the Bram Stoker's Dracula, but <laughs> haven't done that yet. I might try that. But, right. but there's time, like, because there's a long line of people, right. typically, yeah. and you go back to your pew, and that's when I go oh, through the line. Oh, that's your time. Drew Brees, Taysom Hill. Uh, Alvin Kamara, I, I, the wide receivers, Taquan Smith, you know mm-hmm. Michael Thomas, offensive line, Ryan Ram, Ramchek, and Teron Armstead. Then I go to defense. All this from memory, or do you have notes? No, it's all in my head. I okay. know who the typical starters are. Gotcha. I mean, you know, guys who get hurt or whatnot. But okay. you know, and it, it so far it's worked. It's worked. So you, my question is, do you have a Sunday where like like you said the play calling? Yeah. Do you get home and the play calling's terrible in the game? Absolutely. And do you and do you, and do you go we back? We win to, by three points. And or you something. go back to ah, oh, I've left the play calling out of my prayer. Yeah, I, I th- I'd say it's probably about week seven, eight. Okay. When I started adding that in, because <laughs> I never think of the coaches. Uh, at least I didn't at that sure. point. And I was like, I'm not praying for the play calling. I got to pray that the coaches call the right plays because there's some. Right. You know, the, Sean Payton, the head coach, is. He calls some cutesy plays, like plays like "Come on, man!" Right? Not appropriate time to be playing this, trying this, right? Yeah. You know, because we got to get the first down or whatever. Yeah. You know, um, so start and I'll tell you what they're they've been slaying since then. Okay. All right. Instead of winning by three, they're just they're killing it. Doing well. Yeah. All right. Well, keep so, going. Yeah, Saints are riding high. I'm feeling good. Keep on going to church. Yep. Seems to be working. All right. Last thing I'm going to mention, I've got before we get into songs, my Christmas song of the week. This week I'm going with the, the Chuck Berry Run Rudolph Run. Good choice. It's a great song, and there is a, a different version that features Chuck Berry, Lemmy from Motorhead, Billy Gibbons, ZZ Top, and Dave Grohl Foo Fighters. And Chuck's with them? And it, it was listed as Chuck's with them. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know if, if it's... I, I don't know how it was put together, but I mean, it's Lemmy singing through the thing. So, well, Chuck hadn't been gone too long. No, yeah. I mean, this, uh, this, I, I remember hearing this song years ago. So it's, you know, I don't know how old. It, I don't know if it was before he passed or if it was just taking tracks and putting it on there or or how it was put together. But it's basically Lemmy's Lemmy singing through it. But uh, but the Chuck Berry version's great. Lemmy version's great. You know, obviously a little heavier, but that's my that's my Christmas song of the week. Is I'm glad you didn't go with the. Uh, Brian Adams version. Yeah, you know, making my Christmas as a playlist, I went through and listened to a bunch of stuff. And, you know, if it if it don't hit me, it don't hit me. I probably listened to it and heard it, but didn't move me, so it didn't, right. didn't make the cut. Yeah, Chuck Berry, you can't go wrong. Oh, yeah, classic. Classic, classic. Good choice. All right. Go ahead and you ready to get started? Sure. Okay, cool. So uh, my song, I'm going to go first this week. My song this week is a song called Blues Hand Me Down by the band Vintage Trouble. Vintage Trouble. Are you familiar with Vintage Trouble, Jim? I am not. I uh, This song is a 2011 release. comes from the album Bomb Shelter Sessions. 
quick uh, notes on the Vintage Trouble. Formed in 2010, they have quietly become rock and roll's best kept secret. Distilling swaggering rock, soulful blues, R&B grooves, and pop ambition into a bold and brash brew. Heavy. Uh, their sound is described by, uh, quote, we decided to play what felt like pop songs would be with R&B and rock and roll tension. So kind of shines in this song, that's for sure. Yeah. Yep. Four gentlemen in the band, Ty Taylor, Nail Colt, Rick Dill, and Richard Danielson. Things about them, uh, just kind of off the top, toured with bands like The Who. You familiar with The Who? They've opened for them. They've opened for a little uh, English band called the Rolling Stones. Are they from England? No. No, I don't believe so. Okay. I think the singer might. He's got some. He's, that, that's a pretty big connection. There. Yeah. Uh, opened for ACDC. I've opened for Lenny Kravitz. I discovered these gentlemen when I went and saw the uh, Dixie Chicks kind of reunion comeback tour a couple, five years back maybe. Okay, yeah. They opened for them. Never heard them. No idea who they were. Again, another fantastic reason to go see the opening band. Gotcha. I was blown away. These guys are so freaking good. Um, rock and roll, James Brown. I, I don't even know how to describe it. Just high energy, just fantastic playing. Just everything. Fusion. A lot of fusion. Right? Lot, yeah, I mean, it was, just, good word. it was It was a new sound to old sounds, I guess is a good way to put it. But that, I, I was blown away. By, I came home and immediately bought the record, downloaded the songs instant fan after seeing them play a 30 minute set so let's see the the song this particular song they i watched some internet thing it was like a dissecting the song on instagram or something they had a little 20 minute video or 15 minute video i'll put the link up for it It was pretty interesting but it goes through and talks to each band member about the song and their thoughts on it and and a lot of it i'll cover here but there's some other stuff you might pick up from that but okay Basically, said the song aimed to produce a sound reminiscent of days of vinyl records and juke joints, which I think does a very good job of it. Like yeah. said, it's got that old feel to it, but uh, but new. It's heavy. Yeah, it is heavy. Well, like I, you know, like I said, the first thing I thought of was it reminded me of Cochise by Audio Slave. Yeah, that guitar riff. Yep. That riff is this, you know, kind of little rage to it. Yep. You know, but you know, Some still its own. It, still, still a little bit. A little bit of a twist to it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in 2011, they appeared on the Jules Holland late night TV show. Later with Jules Ho- Jules Holland, which I guess is a that's a well known. Yeah, that's a long yeah. running show. There. Yep. The band became the sixth most trending topic of the day on Twitter after appearing and attained the number 13 best selling digital album on iTunes, and had the number five all around best selling digital album on Amazon UK after that appearance. Wow. The next day. Well, Jules, that's like the Dick Clark show used right. to be American Bandstand. Yep. Uh, January 20, 2012, Vintage Trouble played Paul Stanley's 60th birthday party, where Paul Stanley himself got on stage and sang You Shook Me by Willie Dixon with him. I can't imagine that what that would sound like with the. Um, oh, I can't either. Paul. Paul. Yeah. He, he doesn't hold back. No, no, no. Did you know he, he doesn't have a. He it was missing an ear. He didn't have an earlobe. What? He was born with. I think he was born without an earlobe. I didn't know it. Well, he always wore long hair. Oh, so it's always hidden. Yeah, and they they made an artificial one now. Okay. For him, but for all through the heydays of Kiss, he, no kidding. He had a missing ear. Never knew that about Paul that's, Stanley. That's news. That's yeah. news to me. Yeah. Hmm. 
in 2015, they not only supported ACDC in Europe and North America during the Rock or Bust World Tour, but they also fulfilled the dream of theirs by playing at a live taping of Austin City Limits that was streamed across the world. And again, I did see that Austin City Limits with them, and it is fantastic. How long, when did they form? This was, they come together in 2010. And they've done all this. Done all this in, in 10, 10 years. 10 years, yeah. Wow. They're like some weird underground secret yeah, I've never, band you've never heard of. Yeah. And again, I would have never known who they were. I stumbled across them at that Dixie Chick show. Okay. And I mean, it's it's a weird pairing for a Dixie Chick show, but they blew me away. I mean, I get it. Whenever you say, hey, they played live on this show and they did all this stuff, they were trending on Twitter the next day, whatever. I get it because they're fascinating to watch live. They're a fun band to watch live. Again, I've got like a link for that Instagram thing. I'll put the link up there for that. Just some notes from that uh, song deconstruction episode. It was it came out in May of this year. The singer was asked by a friend about his dad. He said his dad was trouble. Friend asked him what kind of trouble. He replied, "Vintage trouble," and that's how the band name came about. Okay, his dad was vintage trouble, and he compared it. Uh, he compared it to old money versus new money kind of thing. Just, yeah. There's old trouble versus new trouble. My dad was old trouble, <laughs> vintage trouble. Right. Uh, the song opens with the line, "Papa was a blues man, gave me the blues, hand me down." I love the idea of this because we've all got those family heirlooms or whatever that you know, generation to generation kind of thing. And I, and I get this. I mean, I remember. I don't even remember how old I was, but I remember hearing Bachman Turner Overdrive and Creedence Clearwater Revival and, you know, just mm-hmm. all the stuff my, my mom and dad listened to and, and how that stuff latched onto me. And maybe I didn't appreciate it at the time. I loved Bachman Turner Overdrive from the start, but, you know, the Creedence stuff that my dad always played on the record player is, you know, years went by before I really kind of got into that and dug it. And it's, I think about it, it's, I play a ton of just nonsense music stuff from my, my boys, and and my hope is, yeah, they may not get it now, but 20, carry that 20 30 years down the road, maybe they'll hear something and go, oh, shit, my dad listened to that, and you know, maybe they'll gain an appreciation for it, like I've gained an appreciation for some of the stuff I've picked up along the way. So I love the idea of my dad was a blues man. I got my blues stuff from him. I just I love the idea of this song kind of being in that world. Yeah says he was listening to a lot of Howling Wolf at the time, reminding him of his dad when he was writing the song. And he used that kind of inspiration to come up with the, li- the delivery of the verse. Uh, the Lord have mercy part, he called that Blues 101. And then the chorus, the Blues hand me down part where he's uh, talking through the chorus, reminded, of be- reminded him of being in a southern church. Like asking God for the blues because the power of it. And it's just it's it's interesting hearing him talk about how he constructed this song. To me. Man, Howling Wolf, you talk about a unique voice. Oh yeah, yeah. Called it basically called it their you know if they had to name a song that was their theme song, this is probably it. I think it's a great great description of the band and how they sound and what they're about. The guitarist uh, was talking about the licks that getting that soul sound. Said he was influenced by Stevie Ray Vaughan, kind of wanted incorporated into that. I think he was even talking about how he used to play one type of guitar and then switched over to another one. I don't know if it was a Telecaster switching over to a Les Paul or vice versa, but well, yeah, the, the, I was, you said there was only one guitar. I was yeah. like, wow. It's yeah. like the solo came out of nowhere. It was, yeah. t- it was definitely distinct from the, you know, the groove of the song. Yeah. The coolest part of the song that I think they said in this, this little thing I watched was, and I think it really leads to the song is they recorded it all together in the same room. I think that really lends that live vibe, yeah, energy to it. Um, 
instead of doing piece by piece and building it or whatever it is you do. And then uh, the, the bass player was talking about the song, how it wakes up the audience. And uh, he even was talking about the first time that they played it live. He thought they screwed it up because I guess they were playing it a little faster tempo than they'd normally been playing it. And uh, was worried about, you know, God, we played it faster than we should have. And, it, you know, whatever, worried about criticism. And I guess all the uh, all the information that came back to him was like, man, it sounded fantastic. And, it, you know. It, Always heard that's a problem playing live. Is usually you'll play it you'll faster. You'll play it faster. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and, it, you know, to me, it just, it's one of those things that goes show that, you know, you beat yourself up over 30 things a day or whatever you're going through it. I mean, sometimes you just got to stop and think maybe it's not all bad. And, you know, this is a perfect case of it where he was just beating himself up thinking they played the song terribly, but everybody came back and talked about how great it was. So it's that don't be, don't be too hard on yourself kind of stuff. And everybody is their own worst critic. Oh, sure. Yep. Drummer was talking about the first time recording the song. He played the opening drum intro and the band just jumped right in and the song took shape. He used the quote was, we were all feeling it together. And you can, when you're, if you watch this video, when he's talking about it, you can see the excitement. He, I mean, it was just like, you can tell that, that when they did the song and it was all coming together, it was special. So all the drums set I, the tempo. And I, and I really think, again, I think that's what lends to the energy of the song. It comes through, through the song. I mean, just and the videos, freaking awesome. I love it. They're just kind of in a town square or something. And there's people just kind of circled around them and they're just playing it. It's just, it's super high energy. It's badass. And say what town they're in. I don't know. Okay. I'm just going off watching the video, just looking up and watching the video. Uh, things rock and roll with some swing and soul in it. What I dig about this song, this song just makes you want to get up and dance. Uh, for me, man, this, this song just gets in your bones. It's just, it's one of those songs that just gets right to the core of you and it just makes you shake. So I dig it. I love the idea of the handing down the music father to son thing. I uh, talked about that a minute ago. The video is great. Talked about that a minute. Uh, talked about the video a minute ago. That's great. Uh, and then the one again, going back to it, I saw these guys live. That's how I became a fan of them. And then the the other thing I remember from that Dixie Chick show is there was a point in their set that I don't know if it was like a, a set change or costume change or whatever it was. It was after they'd been on for a while, but. The band and everybody went off the stage, and this is the Dixie Chicks. This is not Vintage Trouble. So the Dixie Chicks yeah. and everybody go off stage, and there's a big video screen, and it comes on, and it's a video of them in like a convertible car driving down a highway or something. It was like some interlude, intermission type video thing. But there was an instrumental behind it, and it haunted me, and it took me forever. I mean, it was, it probably, I want to say, it probably went on for three to five minutes, and I bet for the first two and a half, three minutes, I was like, what the hell? How do I know this? What is it? So, instrumental version of ace of spades motorhead what how did it sound compared to the original oh i mean it was it was set up to be background music to this video that was whatever was playing and like i said the only thing i can remember is the three of them were in a convertible car driving through the desert okay but it was just kind of the background music of whatever was going on in that video and that for whatever reason i, I remember this blues hand me down there was a couple other songs that the vintage trouble did and then that video and it just driving me crazy it was like why do i know that song why do i know it because it was like an elevator music version of Ace oh, like Spade. a music take on yeah, it. Yeah, kind of a music okay. take on it that was playing in the background of this Dixie Chicks video during the, whatever set change it was. And I was like, and when it hit me, I was like, holy shit, that's Motorhead. Okay. And then, you know, of course, it's Motorhead, so it made everything that much better. But 
Oh, of course. Yeah. So, but anyway, that's my song, man. Vintage Trouble, Blues Hand Me Down, great band. I think they just did a, if I'm not mistaken, a couple weeks ago, just released a version of the classic War. What's it good for? Oh, Edwin Starr. Yep. Yeah, I think they just released a version. I haven't listened to it yet, but it's it's on my to do list. So, but there's is there music on their website. I'm assuming music on the website. Stuff's on Spotify. They got a bunch of stuff on Spotify. You can YouTube the video for Blues Hand Me Down. There's a couple different versions. I think it's just fun band. Okay, somebody something to get you up and shaking, shake off the November dust. Interesting. I gotta I gotta check that out. I wonder. Uh, I'm so excited for next summer when touring may begin again right i mean i'll talk about the you know the vaccine and all that i'm just i just wonder how the industry is going to be when it is reborn well there was something a couple weeks ago like Ticketmaster, or was it Ticketmaster? or Ticketmaster had some scary Live news Nation was doing something about well, they own Ticketmaster. they right? got to check your vaccination record before yeah. gone, but then they backed off of that pretty quickly yeah I, back. I don't know how you i don't logistically i don't know how you do it yeah they should have not brought that out because i was in on a conference call and they had a rep from Ticketmaster that brought that up and he was just like yeah they kind of jumped again it was just we're just spitballing ideas right it's not what we're going to do yeah because i i don't see how they can legally you know no, yeah. acquire well, that hipaa stuff and all that yeah yeah i mean it's yeah. yeah that's discrimination yeah i would think but yeah there's there's a bunch of different angles it's weird i yeah i don't know it's you know i guess my take on it is i'm you know, i'm not scared to go get the vaccination i don't have any qualms about doing it i'll go get you know as soon as i can go get it i'll go get it and i guess if i get vaccinated that protects me and i i guess maybe you i won't get it theoretically but i i won't be able to spray if i don't get it i can't spread it right yeah i mean not everybody needs to be vaccinated just need i mean even if half of the right the population gets vaccinated that's just half the people you can't spread to Right, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it, it plays it, out. It's, everybody's got their own opinion. Oh, yeah. And nobody's wrong. And, and and we don't judge. Exactly. Why are you making that face, Judge Jimmy? I, I, it's a sensitive <laughs> subject. There's it so is. many sensitive subjects. Oh, I know. you got to be careful these days. Yeah. So, what do you got for us, Jimmy? Oh, I've got, I got a great one this week. I'm <laughs> so happy about this one. On June 30th, 1963, life would not be the same for Stockholm, Sweden, or for the rest of the world, for that matter. Okay. On that day, Lars Johan Ingve Lannebach was born. Yes. Do you know who I'm talking about? Better known as Ingve Malmsteen. Ingve Malmsteen. And the song I picked this week is appropriate for the metal guitar god from a Scandinavian countryside. It's called I Am a Viking. Nice. It's off the album Marching Out. It was released upon the world September 30th, 1985. Uh, recorded at Cherokee Studios in Los Angeles. Same studio Motley Crue used for Shout the Devil and Theater of Pain. Cool. Same studio Tom Petty um, recorded Damned Torpedoes and Hard Promises. Nice. Um, actually, mixed Damned the Torpedoes there, but still an intricate part of... Uh, making of that album right um i thought the most interesting album was um ringo star uh his album stop and smell the roses uh was recorded there he had guest appearances by paul mccartney and george harrison on that album john lennon was scheduled to come out and do a song for on ringo's album uh, january 1981 but of course 
John's death was December 8th, 1980, ending what could have been a quasi-reunion of the Beatles on that album, hearing right. them all together again on one album. Um, talking about Yngwie Malmsteen, in 2009, Time Magazine ranked Yngwie number nine of the top 11 greatest guitar players of all time. Interesting list. Um, number one was Jimi Hendrix, who Yngwie saw on the TV news news program like a 30 minute you know six o'clock news setting his guitar on fire is this little snippet of Jimi hendrix right um didn't see him play he was seven years old when he saw it inspired him at that moment to pick up an electric guitar really yeah Jimi hendrix setting his guitar on fire inspired him okay also on the list slash bb king keith richards eric clapton this is time magazine's 2009 greatest guitar plays of all time okay Jimmy Page, Chuck Berry, Les Paul, Ingve Prince, and Johnny Ramone. Did you say Eddie? No. No. Oh, screw you. And you were talking about list on the Charlie Daniels yeah. last week. Uh, there, there are lists out there. Um, not, not all had Ingve on their, you know, on their list. In fact. Rolling Stone magazine. I would, yeah, I'd say he's an overlooked guitar player. Very overlooked. Um, they had a um, top 100 guitar players of all time come out in 2015. Didn't even rank. Wow. In the top 100, they had Bruce Springsteen in '96 as a guitar player. Okay. George Harrison ranked 11, but Ingve didn't chart. There was even uh, what I thought was really odd about Rolling Stone was they had. James Hetfield at uh, ranked 87, but Kirk Hammett didn't even rank. The bizarre. As a guitar player. Because, I mean, James plays some lead, but he's more and, rhythm. And you didn't mention Angus either, right? Angus was 24. Okay. Eddie was on there. I mean, a lot of the typical guitar players I mean, players it's all subjective. There. The thing about Ingve is he's he's such a different category because he's more technical. He To me, he falls in that Joe Satriani, Steve Vai... Yeah, he's in the class by himself because he plays like a classical, classical style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, his... Instead of fast and loose like, you know, George Lynch or... or Yeah, the standard rock. The standard rock guys, yeah. They, I mean, I saw an interview where they asked him, asked if, um, who would he want to play with, you know, and he said, well, everyone I want to play with died hundreds of years ago. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, Mozart and all the great composers. And that and, sets the tone for the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah the story well, of Ingve malmsteen the story of Yngwie, we've heard a billion times yeah it, it true it, or not it it, it, it is it, what it is it, it, you i'm getting ready to tell you i don't how. want to ruin it oh that's just a bit you know it, it could be, yeah and uh, it could also be that Ingve is known as an egomaniac who is impossible for any musician to work with it for any amount of time any length of time right uh his band on this song i am I'm a Viking rising force got started. Um, the spark of the band, you know, the idea of Ingve going solo got started when Ingve was being forcibly restrained on the ground backstage at a rock show with his band at the time. Alc Alcatraz was mm -hmm. playing this live show. This is a great story. Graham Bonnet, who replaced Ronnie James Dio in the Richie Blackmore band rainbow. Um, he tells a story about this. Uh, Graham, Bond, and of course, um, sang on the Rainbows, probably the greatest, their most chart-topping song, um, 
Well, at least it was in the top ten in the UK. Uh, hit uh, since since you gone since you've been gone. Mm-hmm. Um, written actually written by Russ Ballard from the band Argent, who's known for the the song "Hold Your Head High." Yeah. Um, Graham uh, had just quit slash fired, depending on who you ask, from Rainbow, and he was looking to start his own Rainbow type band that he would call Alcatraz. I don't know why, but um, a nineteen 19- year- sounds cool. I guess so. If you're from England, Alcatraz. Right. Well, plus, when did Clint Eastwood's Escape from Alcatraz come out? I think it was around the same time. Might have been, yeah. Yeah, it was around the same time, so I'm sure it had some connection to that sure. movie. Um, uh, a 19-year-old Ingve, um, who was in the band Steeler at the time, which featured another— Steeler, Ronnie James Keel, right? Was Ronnie Keel in that? Ron Keel. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, he was the uh, front man on that one. Yeah. Very good, Todd. Every um, things pop in, makes sense. Yep. Yeah, well, you know, it's because we're in our 50s. Ingve <laughs> uh, found out about Graham's new band, and being a Black Boy, Blackmore fanboy, forced his way into an audition with Graham Bonnet. Um, you know, Graham had him play, you know, some some of the songs he wrote, and then he, they went and played some Rainbow, and just blew him away. He right. was such a great guitar player. Everything that he is today, he was he had it at 19. Um, he just couldn't turn him down. He became the first guitarist of this new band. But it didn't take long, Graham. It didn't take Graham long to realize that Ingve wasn't going to last in the band because Ingve just couldn't get a grip on stage etiquette. I, th- I think I've made a mistake. <clears throat> According to Graham Bonnet, Ingve decided that he was the most important thing on stage. Sure. Which disappointed and frustrated Graham. Nearly every time Graham Bonnet would sing a passage that didn't involve a solo, Ingve would stand in front of him and uh, you know, do one of his you know, do one of his solos. And that's know. weird because typically lead singers are really good about kind of taking a back seat to the other players in bands. But true. <laughs> but there's you know, there is verse there are verses and choruses that need to be sung. Well, sure, but you can do it from back there. They don't need to see your lips moving. They need to see my fingers playing. I would love for that attitude to last in any band. Well, sure, yeah. Um, what is it, LSD, lead singer disease? It's usually vice versa. Yeah, but, you know, even I got two buddies of mine that are brothers, and I would I used to go over and play bass at their house. Uh-huh. And one of them, you know, he doesn't know chords. One of the brothers sings and plays chords. He's kind of right. Bob Dylan-ish about it. You know, he just plays the basic chords. Yeah. The other brother, all he can do is solo. He doesn't. He can't play a rhythm <laughs> to save his life. So all he can do is play solo because he's out of tune. Right. Like he'll find what <laughs> note he's playing on, but it's not like a C is not the third. You know, the third note or right. the third on the fretboard. Fret, right. You know, on the uh, what is that? The D chord on the guitar it's somewhere else so you know he he, he he listens and then plays a solo but he doesn't realize that you know his other brother who's doing the rhythm and singing needs to sing right and he's he has every every time we got together he would say but he would say would you just stop right. stop i need because that's not we're playing on top of each other he's just trying to stay busy didn't want to if, if all he does is solos, he just don't want to be standing there doing nothing. Just trying to stay busy. Lead guitars are just as bad as lead singers. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, all right, so where did I leave off on this? Um, 
you know, he's playing one of his, you know, his lightning fast solos on top of the singing. Graham had to say to him, quote, please don't do that. When I'm singing, don't solo over my part, unquote. Uh, but Ingve didn't understand that. I don't know if there was a English to Swedish translation thing, you know, lost in translation problem, um, trying to get that Ingve into, into Ingve's head or not. But eventually band management had to step in and tell Ingve stage etiquette. You have to stand where you are when it's your turn, let it shine, but only when it's your turn. Right. Um, that was the issue. This is, you know, the band just got started. And it was, you know, there were months in, this was already going on. Sure, yeah. So it went on like this for a while. But um, but it all came to head one night in the show in Oklahoma in 1984. Graham left the stage during during Ingve's solo part of the set and, quote, unquote, accidentally tripped over his cable that went, went into his amp while he was walking off stage to head back to the band bus for a break. Mm-hmm. Graham says uh, he didn't realize he unplugged Ingve in the middle of the of his solo. Shortly after, and I don't know if it was during the set or after you know they're they're done with their set, Ingve rushed up to Graham, who was talking to the bus driver outside the bus, and grabbed him by the neck and said, "You fucking bastard! What are you doing?" Uh, and as Graham was being choked out by Ingve, Ingve, one of the crew grabbed Ingve by his neck and put him on the ground and said. You touch Graham one more time, I'm breaking your fucking neck. Nice. And, of course, Ingve was fired that night. Sure, yeah. Um, and that's, <laughs> this is early on. So, yeah, after he was fired, Rising Force. Right. He, he said, I don't need you. I don't need you. I got, I'm got. i going to start Rising Force. That's right. So, Ingve moved on. Now, what I dig about the song, I'm a Viking, is um, the vocals, courtesy of lead singer Jeff Scott Soto. Jeff Scott Soto. Love Jeff Scott Soto. Very powerful voice. It's one of the few songs where Ingve's just not, you know, just all over the place right. with, with his guitar. Now, Jeff Scott Soto is interesting. Uh, he's an ultimate hired gun lead singer. Here's a list of bands Jeff has sung for. Uh, Axel Rudy Pell, which featured uh, Bobby Rondinelli, who replaced Cozy Powell in Richie Blackmore. Again, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. Right. Um, Talisman. Uh, which was his main band for 18 years. He is still an active member of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Sons of the Apollo, this is like a super group. It has um, Billy Sheenan on bass, uh-huh. the great... Uh, was it in Billy Sheenan? Wasn't he in Talisman too? He might have been. I think so. David Lee Roth, Billy Sheenan, right? Yeah, David yeah, Lee yeah. Roth, Billy Sheenan. Yeah. No, Mr. Big Billy Sheenan. Sorry. <laughs> um, the great Mike uh, Portnoy. Uh, right. Of Dream Theater. Yep. Drums. Yep. Uh, Bumblefoot. Okay. Guns N' Roses. Yeah. And uh, Derek uh, Sherinian. Derek Smalls. Derek Smalls on bass. <laughs> <clears throat> Smell the Glove on keyboard, who played, who played with everyone from Alice Cooper and Dream Theater in the 90s to Billy Idol for 12 years. And, yes, he, even Yngwie Malmsteen when Billy Idol wasn't touring. Okay. Uh, Derek is also a current keyboard player. For the still and still listed active uh, as a member of the, of the band Black Country Communion, which features Glenn oh, okay. Hughes, yeah, uh, on bass, Joe, Joe Bonamassa, and Jason Bonham. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Scott Soto also fronted the band Christ the Conqueror, a Christian metal band formed by two former members of the band The Misfits, bass player Jerry Only and his brother slash guitar player 
Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein. Okay. Or it might be Frankenstein. Not familiar with I, them. I'm thinking of um, Young Frankenstein there. Gotcha. Uh, so I hope it's von Frankenstein. Jeff Scott Soto also fronted uh, the Boogie Nights, which is a 70s disco tribute band, kind of like Hairbangers Ball. Gotcha. Uh, tributes to 80 Rock. They, uh, he was a front man for that. A uh, band called Soul Circus, S-I-R-K-U-S. Okay. Soul Circus. Fancy spelling. Uh, a Neil Sean of Journey fame side band featuring uh, another famous gun for hire bass player, Marco Mendoza, who I saw Mendoza. play bass for Thin Lizzy about... Oh, I want to say 10, 12 years ago when John Sykes. Is that Twisted Sister Mendoza? Am I thinking of something else? No. Okay. I don't think he's in Twisted Sister. Yeah, probably. They've always had the same bass player. It's uh, he was. I saw him in Thin Lizzy when John Sykes handled the vocals and Tommy Aldridge was on drums. I nice. mentioned him. Yeah. Many, like in, I know on the Aussie right, episode yeah. we did. Uh, Marco also played bass for Bill Ward's band. Uh, Bill Ward being the drummer for, yeah, I with. didn't know he had a solo project. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, he played bass for Right Said Fred, I'm Too Sexy. Yes, nice. Yeah. Um, uh, Dolores or Reardon, uh, Cranberry's lead singer, which okay. he went solo. Uh, Tim Ripper Owens and Tommy Shaw. All right. He's played bass for, he's been around the block. Yeah. Um, the band Soul Circus also included uh, Dean Castronavo on drums, who played with Neil Sean in the band Bad English, a late 80s band. That right, had I remember. Former that, baby, yeah. baby singers John Waite and fellow former babies, current Journey keyboard player Jonathan Kane. Um, and was in Journey from like 98 to 2015. He also currently plays drums for the Dead Daisies. Uh, Dead for, Daisies. That's another Glenn Hughes band. Okay. And Hard Gun Dunn. Another hired gun, Doug Aldrich, who we saw uh, play for Dio uh, when we went over the Sauge. Was that the Pops Dio show? At the Pops Dio when they were touring for, um, was it Slaying the Dragon? I don't remember. Killing the Dragon, oh, I remember the album. Waiting for that red light to come on under under him on his face. <laughs> right. Light um, up his face in that red light, make it look evil. Yeah, and not it wasn't long after I saw him. Well, it would have been uh, when they had the twentieth. Um, was it two thousand? It was twenty ten. The thirtieth anniversary of Judas Priest, British Steel, and when mm-hmm. they played the entire oh, yeah, uh, the White, White Snake open for them, and Doug Aldridge was playing for yeah. them. So yeah, I'm talking about another one's been around. Doug Aldridge has played for everybody. I think he's in Deep Purple now. Um, whenever they go out, right. Um, Jeff Scott Soldo also contributed back contributes backing vocals uh, as a session artist. He's worked with Lita Ford, Glass Tiger, <laughs> House of Lords, Striper, oh. Saigon Kick. He's all, he's also sang for the fictional band Steel Dragon, which featured Zach Wild, Jeff Pilson really? from Dawkins. I love that movie. I have not. I mean, it's, it's I've not come to grips with sitting down and watching it. It is cornball as hell. Yeah, but I really enjoy watching it. Oh, but what it, was that called? What was that movie called? That's Tom Cruise, right? The Rockstar movie? No, 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 no. Rockstar. It's uh, Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Because yeah. that has uh, the friends. Mark Frims. Wahlberg and uh, Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. And that's right. It's, but, yeah. it's. I mean, it's cornball, but it's, you know, again, I like cornball shit. But yeah, it's exactly. How, m- how many stars would you give it on a five star? Oh, on a five? It's a three. I mean, it's a fun it's ride. It's good. Huh? It's a fun ride. I've watched it more than once. 
Okay. But, you know, Zach Wild and then uh, Jeff Pilson was the bass player. Yeah, Dawkins fame. Jason Bonham was the drummer. Yeah. Yeah. And Jeff Scott Soto handled the vocals. Didn't Wouldn't have known it. No, uh uh-uh. Jeff Scott Soto also spent six months as official member of the band Journey. He was in the band between Steve Algeri, who replaced Steve Perry, right. uh, when they had to kind of move on without Steve Perry. Yep. Uh, he was in between Steve Algeri and their current singer, uh, Arnel Pineda. They found uh, that kid on YouTube or something like that, didn't they? Yeah, that's where Neil Sean found him. Yeah. He was in the, from ridiculous. the Philippines. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, he was only in it for six months. Uh, it's... He's quoted saying, it seems they wanted something different than what I brought to the table. No love loss. They they know what's best to, for the preservation of their legacy. That dude, man, he knows what he's doing. He goes in, he does something for a little bit, goes out on top, moves on. Yeah. Doesn't and stick around for things to get ugly. Aiden, yeah, that's his, his forte. The guy's done a ton of work. Um, and nobody knows, most people don't know who he is. Yeah. The biggest thing I love about Jeff Scott Soto. Saying, he caught, his, saying he, his name? Other than saying his name, uh, caused one of my most confusing rock show moments ever. Okay. Uh, the story is I had the opportunity to see Yngwie's Rising Force open for Triumph when I was in high school at the local arena here in the fall of 1987. Uh, now, I was a big fan of the 85 album that has a song and the, you know, I'll See the Light Tonight, which, you know. That was the hit, right? That was the big hit. Yeah. Um, that's, that's definitely his free bird song. Uh, it's, I mean, definitely in my top ten favorite videos of all time with all that Conan the bar, Barbarian shit going on in yeah. it. Um, now, when Rising Force took the stage, the first thing that was obvious to me was that Ingve had a new singer fronting the band. He was not the guy that you see in the I'll See the Light video, but he sounded just like the singer on the album. Uh, the confusion set in when this singer introduced himself as Jeff Scott Soto. Now I knew, now I, I owned the cassette. I bought it at the record store in the Eastland mall. I, th- I think it was called record. Was it record bar? Record bar. Yeah. Yeah. Record bar. Yeah, Cause you uh, had record bar. It was another one. Disc jockey. Disc jockey. And then over in the other mall, you had records, tapes and tickets. Holy cow. Yeah. You know your stuff. How is that? Uh, because I worked at record stores in town. <laughs> right. You so, worked at cats. Worked at cats. Yeah. And then I worked at blockbuster music for a stint. You didn't work at Full City? Well, Cats <laughs> North was the old Full City location. Gotcha. So for years we had all that intricate woodwork in there. That place was beautiful. Yeah. And then downsized to a smaller location just because it was, you know, digital was starting to pick up and, and whatever. It was, digital was the death was, of all of them. It was changing. So. Yeah. Yeah, records. Yeah, man, we had what? There's so many record stores. You think about it now. Yeah, at one point there were six record stores in town, and, and all of them doing good business. Now there's a, what one that's uh, coconuts, mainstream. Coconuts would be it, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean there's some vintage stores, vintage out there. stores and used and whatnot. Yeah, but for new product, I think coconuts is probably yeah it. the classic record stores. Only yeah. one left, and I don't know. It's had to diversify itself. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, okay, so you know I bought that at the record bar. Um, in the liner notes, Jeff Scott Soto is credited as a singer, but this guy on stage looked nothing like the guy singing in the video, I'll See the Light Tonight. Right. I find out 30 years later that this Quentin Tarantino-looking guy that was in the video <laughs> was was named Mark Bowles. And like Mark Slaughter in the Vinnie Vincent Invasion video, Boys Are Gonna Rock, he um, 
which I talked about in another episode, yeah. past episode. Yeah. Look it up. I actually had a comment that uh, they liked. What was it? It was something like, I'm glad you put the video YouTube links on there because like somebody had to show his wife exactly what we were talking about in that episode. Because it's, you can't describe it. You can't describe it. No. Some of the stuff you just can't describe. It's the most, if the world ended that way, I would shake, I'd have to shake my head right for a die. Right. Um, so yeah, it, he, uh, Mark Bowles in the video lip synced over the vocal track that Jeff Scott Soto laid down, okay. uh, for the album. Um, turns out also that, you know, well, Jeff Scott Soto, who sang on the Yngwie's first two albums, the second one being the album that has, I am a Viking on it. And I'll see the light tonight. Jeff decided to leave the band after recording the second album, thinking he had a solid gig to go to. Um, you know, Jeff was frustrated. I saw an interview where he said, one, he was frustrated with one working with four Swedes that didn't like to speak English. For sure. Like, and, yeah. and, and two, basically, he was from Jersey. Uh, Jeff was the only American. Gotcha. Yeah, the, yeah. the rest of the guys were all Swede. Right. So they may have been talking bad about it. Oh, him, yeah. And he did not know it. So I guess some insecurity there. And two, basically, you know, being more of Ingve's employee rather than a bandmate. He, he loved doing the live shows and everything that came with it, but everything else was a drag. Management was a drag. They made everyone feel like they were employees. So Jeff leaves, and, you know, Rising Force had a tour coming up. Uh, you know, they were just maybe a week or two from a festival show coming to the Oakland Coliseum in California, uh, Day on the Green Festival, mm-hmm. featured Scorpions, which they were on their worldwide live tour. Nice. Great uh, they didn't album. record there, but but yeah. it was that tour that made that worldwide live album. Rat, Y&T, and a young band named Metallica touring oh. on for, um, Masters of Puppets. Okay. Jeff's gig, if... Jeff Scott Soto's gig that he thought he was going to it fell through like within a week after right, quitting yeah. and wanted to come back, but it was up to Mark to decide. And Mark said, "No, no, this is a pretty sweet gig. I'm I'm going to stay on." So you know, Jeff's pissing in the wind basically, and right. Mark moves on with the rising force. But you you got to think deep in the back of his head. He's like, "This thing's going to fall apart. I just got to stay close." Ingve Malmsteen. Oh. It's, you're, it's you're already getting to the punchline. Freaking Ingve. Yeah, he, he he sees he knows it was something. You know, Mark doesn't know. Right. You know, it's like that ex-girlfriend. No, no, yeah, no. It's cool. You stay in the band. I'm. I'll find something else. Yeah. You. Yeah. No, it's cool, man. We're all good. Hey, have fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have fun out there. Hey, a little bit of advice. Learn to speak Swedish. <laughs> um, so Mark's Mark Bowl stayed in the band for a year and a half, singing on the third album trilogy. Uh, interesting album cover on the trilogy. Ingve is using his guitar, I think, as a sword, with the headstock being the edge of the sword, mm-hmm. um, uh, pointed at the uh, at the airborne three-headed Greek mythological monster known as Hydra, not Hell Hydra from Hell Hydra. Mar- yeah, not not the Hell Hydra from the Marvel movie right. Captain America, but the actual dragon, like dragon, like monster, yeah. like. Like a three-headed dragon. Well, like Godzilla fought in the King of the Monsters movie yeah. that came out in 2019. Yep. Um, so Mark, like Jeff, had the same problems. You know, he said he he loved playing live, loved the fans, but didn't like uh, not getting paid and being treated like a, a replaceable employee by the band manager. So imagine what happens. Mark quits. 
Jeff comes back. And um, Jeff just happens to be driving by. Hey, what you guys? What, you guys having problems? What? Oh, you need a singer? Well, shoot, I, I get. I mean, I'm not I doing guess. nothing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll go on tour. You know what? Let me let me go home and check my calendar. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and that's when I saw Jeff Scott Soto live. Okay. Yeah, that's when he came. And, you know. So, uh, but of course, you know, after that tour was over, Jeff was fired. Because Jolyn Turner of Rainbow Uh-oh. Fame, another fellow, you know, talked about Graham Bonnet. Yeah. Here's another Rainbow Singer. Rainbow's like the triple A team of <laughs> major league rock bands. Anything Rainbow, Ingve was just a sucker for anything yeah. Rainbow. Yeah. So Jolyn Turner was available to do his uh, his 87 album, which that, he had a hit single on that one. It was a mainstream. I can't remember. Heaven Tonight, I think it was called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Hey, I, I mean, I like Jolyn Turner, but I don't know if. He's kind of like Donnie Dawkins. Yeah. He's got a very, not the, not that uh, kind yeah, of singer, enough, you know what I mean? Yeah. Didn't really fit, you know, Ingve's heavy sound, but, you know, it's just a, that's just an example. Ingve developed a reputation as a very difficult, you know, person to play with. I, Supposedly honestly, he's an asshole and tough to get along with. That's his way the highway. I honestly believe if people bought tickets just to see him solo for two Solid hours on stage with no singer, no band, maybe a drummer, bass player, and keyboard to bounce off of. He would prefer that, but he chose to be a metal god and has to work within the confines of a band in order to make a living. Yeah, but no, I agree with you. I, if if he could figure out a way to do it and tuck everybody in the back and just stand up and take the spotlight and just let them be the background music to his twiddly d twiddly d stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, you even made a comment about that video I sent you. For it to oh, get yeah, you familiar. Oh, yeah, that video for the Sun Viking was the, my favorite part is, you know, he's Ingve's up front playing, doing his thing. And I think the, the singer's over with the keyboard player, stage right, tucked back a little bit. Yeah. And he's back here doing his, you know, thing. Way and, off and way well, off on the other side yeah, of the stage. Yeah, it's not like a little club stage. It's like an arena stage. There's a lot of room there. And it's and Ingve just couldn't help himself but go over there and get in front of them playing guitar it's because the spotlight was on because him. the spotlight was because it was the singer's turn it goes back to what you were talking earlier and it was just like as soon as i saw it, i was like yeah that's i mean that's the classic story you always hear about the guy he just can't not be in the spotlight and he's got to outshine everybody but it's just it's it was funny as hell to me that it was like i mean this guy's not even near you you are center stage up on the front you are the main vocal point yet it you can't not go over there and stand in front of him out of the way in the dark corner. It's that just, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. amazing. Here, here's a, here's an interesting fact for you. This is how bad it is to, for Ingve. Um, you know, he started his solo career, like I said, after, you know, he choked his, right. Lead, you know, the singer of Alcatraz, he tried to kill him for unplugging him during his, uh, solo, uh, started in 1984, um, through today. Here's, here's the, uh, the list of people Here, he's choked. Here's the head count on um, the number of people that played with him. Ten lead vocalists. Ten, okay. Six keyboard players. Right. Ten bass players. Oh. Sixteen drummers. Oh. And from 1984 through today, um, that list, ironically, includes Rudy Sarzo and Tommy Aldridge, even though they didn't play together. <laughs> right. But Rudy, Rudy, Rudy and Tommy have played with everybody as well sure i thought that was interesting that's 40 something people 
what band does that? Good night. I mean, you you want to know why he's not in the top one hundred Rolling yeah. Stone? Is because he's it's just about him. Yeah, he's not. I can understand if you're David Coverdale or Ronnie James Dio, right? Because you're the singer. You yeah. know, you're the one delivering the message. Yeah, a lead guitar player does not have that leverage. No. But in his mind, it does. In, in his, his mind, mind it's all does. about him. It's all about him. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is. Even when I saw him live, when the rest of the band didn't even take the stage, he started the set with a solo. Right. He came out by himself. But, you know, shit, he knows. People are there to see him play. That's that's the only reason I'd go see him is to see his ridic- you know, ridiculously fast, crazy playing he does. Yeah, but, I mean, how much of that? I'm good for 20 minutes. 20 minutes? 20 minutes, and that's enough. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I and think Joe Satriani's great, but I can't listen to a full record all the way through. A couple songs at a time. I agree. Um, uh, and finally, uh, well, I'll say I'll say one more thing about why I love this particular song. It's 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 a song about it's it's Warpath lyrics are fantastic. Yeah. I mean, just you know a lot you know the verse. Hey, you are a loser, and it's such a shame that you're a fool and you don't know that I am a Viking. I'll walk all over you and by my sword, you will die. It's a bumper sticker. It, it's, it's good workout music, a lot of machismo and injection of testosterone when you need a boost. Yeah. Does, um, so who writes the lyrics for the songs? Do you know? That was Momstein, that particular song. Okay. So anybody writes the lyrics uh, for, Soto, some, for some of the songs. But the first two albums, Soto did have some contributions okay. there. Okay. I was just wondering if he was, He's the main willing to let go of some of the control on lyric writing, but it doesn't sound like he had a some whole lot. like him. He worked with Joe Lynn Turner on that Heaven Tonight song. I know Joe Lynn right. wrote, lyrically did some work with him. Yeah, so, co-writing stuff. Co-writing but, stuff. But, yeah, yeah. No, I I assumed Malmsteen was always present in that. This is the song. Yeah, the one Every aspect. There, I, in the middle of one of those interviews, they, they asked him, "How long do you practice each day?" And he said, I don't practice. I, you know, I, I work out in provisions. Yeah. <laughs> Jackass. Such a jack. Such a jack ball. But yeah. you got it. He, he is what he is. He, he is what he is. He owns it. He's very talented. And he's, and he's a hell of a, he's a character. Yeah. Because yeah. of all that. Uh-huh. Good Lord. <laughs> you got to love him. <sighs> but yeah, that's my song this week. I am a Viking by Invade. Johan Momstein's Raging Forest. Pride of Sweden. Pride of Sweden. Goodness. And he always, his outfits were always unique too. It was always that that shiny spandex pants. And then for some reason, like his tops were always like a, like a kind of a jacket. Yeah. He was never a jeans and t-shirt guy. It was always, it's almost very flashy. It's, it's like a very, he's like a, Three ring circus leader, yes. almost. You know, yes. And, and it looked good early on, but he developed a love for biscuits and gravy. <laughs> you know that that look did yeah. not. Yeah. I mean, he kept the hair, but uh, uh, the, the can of biscuits had busted open. I remember, on the seeing, I remember seeing a picture of Gene Simmons from Kiss. I don't know, years and years ago, and they were, you know, they were an older probably first second reunion tour or whatever and god bless him he was he was wearing those skin tight whatever pants and 
had little holes, three little holes down like the upper thigh on the side of each side. Yeah, that he's always and has. it was just squeezing through, and it's like, man. Oh, you can see the you can see bumps and oh, it was coming through. It was coming through the coming openings. Out. Yeah, this flesh coming through. And I was like, God, man! Dude, at some point, man, just close it up. Close, <laughs> close it up. Close up shop. You're right. Just get some pants with no holes in. Yeah, it's a that damn shame about getting the holes. Keep the wings. Keep spitting blood. Keep spitting fire. Whatever. Just get some pants and get no holes in them, man. Yeah, I, I like you know Iggy Pop. I saw him recently. He's still doing the shirtless. Yeah, dude, on that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing, he was talking, doing the little intro to Nine Inch Nails and standing there with a leather jacket, no shirt, and it's just... That gut. Leathery, and it's just, it's it's like the skin is hanging off of it. Yeah. It's not... It's, not as toned I mean, as it he, was. Yeah, it's not toned. I mean, it, again, for his age, he's in freaking great shape. But it was like, God, dude, at some point... There's some natural old man but that's, action going on. But I though. guess that's his thing, man. Yeah, somebody needs to tell him, though. Oh, you going to tell him? You going to fucking go tell him, like, Iggy Pop on a shirt? Yeah. Hey, no, you're not. You're scared just like everybody else. I ain't scared. I know he's crazy. <laughs> I'm scared? I know he's crazy. <laughs> nah, that's his thing, though, man. So. But, yeah, Ingvay, Jamie Malmsteen. All there right. Go. Well, if you don't know him, I'll put a video up. It's it's entertainment, man. It's good stuff. It's a, it's a wild roller coaster ride it is a wild ride all right don't forget check us out on the socials shoot us an email rate subscribe comment all the fun stuff have a great week we'll be back next week bye